time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. On the DTR, it said relationships, and it said parents, followers, everything but opposite sex, which is what I'm talking about. So it wasn't up there, but uh, if you're sitting by your girlfriend or boyfriend, hold on, because this is going to be a rough night for you. Um, uh, <laughs> if you'd like to be sitting by the girlfriend or boyfriend right now, then you can get up and move. And No, I'm just kidding. All right. Nah. Name of my sermon tonight, Flea Lust. Everybody say, Flea Lust. Ooh, man, that was weak. That was good. I like that one. All right, let me hear the men. Flea? Women lust? Wait, don't tell your parents I said that. Do Flea Lust? That was pretty good. All right, that's the name of the talk tonight. Let's pray together and see what happens. Father, we love you. God, we ask that you would help us to live as men and women of God in 2010. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would help us. We need your grace. We need your strength. We need your word that empowers us. We need your life. We cannot do this on our own, but through your spirit, by your grace, we can live victorious. Everybody shouted, amen. Second yeah. Timothy 2, 22. So, if you remember anything that I say tonight, 2 Timothy 2, 22, 2 Timothy 2, 2, 2, 2 Timothy 2, 22. Men, if you remember any verse of the Bible, you should remember 2, 2, 2, 2, 2 Timothy 2, 2. I'm, I'm just grilling this in your head so that when you get home tonight and you're like, where's that verse that that Oompa Loompa spoke on? 2, 2, 2. 2, 2, 2, 2, 2, Timothy, 2 Timothy, 2, 2, 2 Timothy, chapter 2, verse 22. Are you ready? Flee also youthful lusts. Flee also youthful lusts. So Paul talking to Timothy here. Paul, many scholars think this is the last book that Paul wrote. And he writes to a young man named Timothy. And he says, flee also youthful lust. And then he doesn't leave it at that, but he actually gives him something to pursue. So he just doesn't leave it on the defensive, but he actually declares to a young man to be on the offensive. And he says, but let me give you something to do instead. So it's not just don't do a bad thing. He says, let me give you the existence or the presence of something positive I want you to do, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. And therein we find one of the secrets, many, many, many young people say, I'm trying, I'm going to pursue purity. I'm going to pursue righteousness. And, 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 the, and the, the thing that often keeps you, keeps you from pursuing what God's called you to do, is you haven't fled yet. You need to, we got we to we gotta not just say, close our eyes and say, I'm going to flee. We got to flee, but pursue something. Tonight, I want to talk about this issue of lust a little bit, because it's prevalent. It's everywhere. Before I tell you about that, I, I got to tell you about my family. You know, I, I like to bring them in every week if I can. I got a little boy named Dawson. He's six. And uh, Olivia, she's four. And Adeline, she's two. And Justice, he's two months. And so, uh, this is just the delight of my life. My son Dawson is six years old. Actually, last week was his birthday. And so, 
uh, we began to talk about what he wanted for his birthday, and I began to tell him that it was something really huge. And I wasn't going to tell him what it was, but he said, is it a Superman cape? I said, no, it's bigger than a Superman cape. And he said, well, is it a big Superman? And I said, no, it's, big, it's bigger than a big Superman. And he couldn't think of anything that's bigger than that until he said, I know what it is, Dad. You got me a car. <laughs> and, and, and then, and then I, I, I didn't want to tell him. See, I got him a bike, and he actually thought of something that was bigger than a car. So I didn't want to tell him, no, it's smaller than a car because, you know, you don't want the present to feel like it's small. So I just kind of left it. So because I just left it, he began to think he might be getting a car. And everything in Dawson got really excited because he loves cars. Lightning McQueen is his hero. When he grows up, he wants to be a car. I mean, he wants his arms to grow out to be wheels. He wants to have a big old smile. He loves cars. Pixar, Disney, that's his thing. He loves it. He loves cars. He thinks cars are awesome. And so I began to think about it and I thought, you know, I mean, Dawson, I, I really like Dawson. I love Dawson. And Dawson has eyes. That's what it takes to drive. Dawson has a brain. That, that's, I mean, you know. And I began to think about, realistically, Dawson, I mean, he already knows how to ride a bike. Surely, I mean, he's really into cars. Surely he has the capacity. I'm not saying that he'd be good as a driver. But he has the capacity to be a driver. I mean, after all, if he has, you know, been able to sit in my lap and drive, you know, not that we've ever done that. Whoops. But just in the neighborhood. Surely, surely. So, so I said, Renata, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's get for his sixth birthday. Let's buy Dawson a car. So I bought him a car, six years old, gave it to him, gave him Ford Mustang. And Dawson got in the car He said, thanks, Dad. I handed him the keys. He started driving down Powers. (laughs) I lost you. (laughs) You don't believe me. Why? Why? Because you're smarter than that. At the end of the day, you go, okay, so what? That Dawson has eyes, ears. He can see. He has a brain. He knows how roads work. He actually knows Colorado Springs pretty well. He can tell you how to get around. So what that he knows those things? So what that he has those, the, the capacity, quite possibly, if his feet touch the pedals, which his dad barely do, so who knows. But, but he, he, he may have the capacity. But the, the reality is every single one of you, you're listening to this and you go, no way. Why? Because he doesn't have the maturity. Say maturity. He's not ready. Say ready. He's not ready. He's not ready. A six-year-old is not ready. Ladies, if you see my son driving... Oh, by the way, I didn't buy him the Mustang either. I got him a bike. If you saw a six-year-old, ladies, if you saw a six-year-old driving down Powers, you drive as fast as you can the other direction. You should be scared to death. Because a six-year-old does not have the maturity to drive a car. And ladies, if you see a 16-year-old boy pucker up his lips and try to kiss you, you run because a 16-year-old boy does not have the maturity to kiss anything. You run. All the boys, all all the boys' hands are crossed like, dang it. 
Dang it, I hate this youth group. Grr, I'm going down the road. God has made sex beautiful, good, but he made it for a man and a woman in marriage when they're mature and 16-year-olds. Get this, write this on a rock, put this on your forehead, inscribe it on your Facebook. 16-year-olds, 15-year-olds, 17-year-olds, 18 you are not, I don't care what you say to me, you can come, well, I listen to country music that says, oh, shut up. Or you can come back to me and you can tell me anything. I, 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 I've been around long enough. I know this. You, you go, well, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I mean, I'm, I, I, I mean, I've, I've been through puberty. I, I'm ready. I, after all, I, my body's been changing and, and I think I'm re- Stupid. It's like, it's like handing you the keys and you're six years old. You're going to die. It will mess you up. It will jack up your life. I promise it will mess you up. You don't want to do it. I'm going to prove it to you tonight, you crazies. I'm going to prove it to you. I want you to believe it. I don't want you to like think maybe here's one guy's opinion. Paul talking to Timothy here. Paul talking to a young man who's a church leader. (laughs) He's not even just talking to a 15-year-old. He's talking to a guy who's helped leading the apostolic church. If he says it to a young church leader, how much more highly, highly needed by teenagers. Number one problem today, and, and, and you've got to bear with us. See, me and my team, we've been working primarily with... Uh, High school kids with, at, at events, and uh, we did summer internships for years. Um, but w- what we've done for the last decade, um, me and Dan and Ty and the fellas, Stefan, for the most part, we've been working with college students for the last 10 years, right? So, 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 so we've been in men's and women's accountability groups through the furnace and through DLA. And they're in these groups. So guys sitting around a table and counseling and, you know, praying and talking and Number one problem we deal with, sexuality. Number one time kids got messed up, high school. And so, it's interesting because right now, you're in this phase where it's like, this is new. I mean, I've only been through puberty for a couple of years now, and feel like this is really interesting. I'm, I've got, you know, some uh, feelings I've never had before. And um, I just, I'm curious. Number one problem, though, that we find, young men and women who in a dating relationship were physical, had sexual or physical behavior, pornography, fantasizing that's what that's the problem so I don't know but a week and a half ago when we had the desperation conference and the truth be told I didn't the truth be told I, I, I didn't know what, what Joel Stockstill was going to talk about but uh, Joel Stockstill came 
And, and Joel began to talk about the brokenness of a generation because of immorality, sexual immorality. And as he talked, I loved one of the ways that he talked. Obviously, I mean, I know you remember as hundreds of kids came forward and there was a time of repentance and it was awesome. And as I continue to get feedback from youth pastors across the nation, that was such a valuable moment for so many as, as they began to set their life on a new trajectory and began to flee youthful lust and pursue righteousness. But one of the things that Joel said that just really stuck out to me was he said, you know, when you get down to the core of what sexual promiscuity is, he said, it's rebellion. And really, I was sitting on the front road, and when he said that, I began to think, rebellion? That's such a big R word, you know, rebellion. Like, ugh. Because in our culture, our culture has so tried to make it trite and funny and normal that they've trivialized it. And when a man of God stands there and says, it's rebellion, that stirred me. I've been stirred by it ever since. When you're in a physical relationship and you go, well, I'm not going to wait until marriage. I'm going to engage in the things that I'm not mature, I'm not ready for before marriage. It's rebellion. When you say, I'm going to set before my eyes nudity. I'm going to set before my eyes pornography. I'm going to watch movies that I don't even care, whatever. Commercials, to be honest with you. I'm going to set those things before me, even though God has created me so that I work best, I function best. He's created an awesome marriage partner for me, but I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to abuse that and I'm going to not care about them. I'm going to set this before my eyes because I want this. And right now, I'm going to allow my hormones to be the God of my life, the idol of my life, instead of allowing God to be God of my life. And so I'm going to look at that. It's rebellion. And our culture, our culture looks at you and tries to trivialize it, make it feel like it's normal. It's no big deal. And I, I, on the front row here, pray with the victims of their lies. I deal. And I led Revival Town for years. Parents, 60-year-olds that I prayed with, sexual sin, messed up their lives. I prayed with men and women who still had uh, soul ties to relationships that they had in high school and it was messing up their marriage in their 50s and 60s. As a pastor, I'm an old man, 15 years, uh-huh, yeah. The number one thing, the number one way that the enemy is destroying people in our culture, it's not, it's not through money. Our, our, our culture is rich. But sex, sexual promiscuity, immorality, This is the number one thing we deal with. And I want you to know, if you flirt with it, if you flirt with sin, if you flirt with sexual sin, immorality, all kinds of physical touch with a girl or guy, whether it's in a, whatever the situation. I don't even like saying it because 
I know some of you laugh and you giggle, and that, even that makes me go, Ugh, like, I don't even want to, I don't want to dignify it by talking, saying it. But it will zap you, it will destroy you. I want you to see this clip. This is a very deep, deep spiritual clip. I want you to see this. No, Harry, no! Don't look at the light! I can't help it. It's so beautiful. That's what sexual immorality will do to your life. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. And this is new. And I've talked to so many guys. Oh, but I just love her. I just think she's so good. destroys you over and over. It's just a movie. It's no big deal. Everybody does it. <sighs> I just, I just want to watch this rated R movie that has all kinds of immorality in it. I mean, it 20 years later, the next day, you can read all through the Bible, but Bug's Life, that's a good, that's a good message right there. <laughs> Gentlemen, ladies, that that is physical relationships in high school. It will mess you up. That is pornography. It will mess you up. And it looks, ah, ah, ah. But it's all through the Bible. Let's read Proverbs chapter 7. Proverbs 7. Let me, let me just read this to you. This is Proverbs 7. I'm going to restart in verse 6. This is, this is the wisest man that ever lived, all right, other than Jesus. This is Solomon, all right? Uh, if you're with me, say, flee lust. Was that a flea on that? I don't know. Oh, a fly? Oh, dang. Okay. All right. Proverbs chapter 7, verse 6. Okay. Are you, are you there? You got it up here? Proverbs chapter 7. Okay, here we go. Okay. As I stood at the window of my house, looking out through the shutters, watching the mindless crowd stroll by, I spotted a young man without any sense. This is a dumb man. This is a stupid man. This is a moronic man. Arriving at the corner of the street where she lived and then turning up the path to her house, it was dusk, the evening, the, e- the evening coming on, the darkness thickening into night. Just then, a woman met him. She'd been lying in wait for him, dressed to seduce him. Brazen and brash she was, restless and roaming, never at home, walking the streets, loitering in the mall, hanging out at every corner in town. She threw her arms around him and kissed him, boldly took his arm and said, I've got all the makings for a feast. Today, I made my offerings. My vows are all paid. So now I've come to find you, hoping to catch sight of your face, and here you are. I spread fresh, clean sheets on my bed, colorful imported linens. My bed is, I don't know that word, aromatic? Romantic with spices, I don't know. And, <laughs> and exotic fragrances. Come, let's make love all night. Spend the night in, in ecstatic lovemaking. My husband's not home. He's away on business, and he won't be back for a month. Soon, she has him eating out of her hand, bewitched by her honeyed speech. And before you know it, he's trotting behind her like a calf led to a butcher shop. <laughs> a calf is a cow. Like a cow led to a butcher shop. Whoosh. Like a stag lured into an ambush and then shot with an arrow. Allure, allure, allure. Pfft. Like a bird flying into a net. 
not knowing that it's, fly, it is, that it's flying life is over. So friends, listen to me. Take these words of mine most seriously. Take these words of mine most seriously. Don't fool around with a woman like that. Don't even stroll through her neighborhood. Countless, countless victims come under her spell. She's the death of many a poor man. She runs a halfway house to hell. Fits you out with a shroud and a coffin. Solomon says, a woman like that, prepare your coffin, buddy. You're a calf about to be chopped in half. You're a stag about to be shot. You're a bird. You're never going to fly again, bud. So, young man, I say to you, this isn't just today in our culture. This isn't just a woman, the girl. This is what you watch is websites on your phone your computer it's commercials that you watch it will destroy you it will mess you up young woman you believe that being flirty and engaging in a physical relationship like that will fill the longing of your heart in the end it's death in the end in the end many women sit with our girls that do discipleship and weep in brokenness and pain because of the choices they made in high school. Messed them up. So I don't know what would happen, but I'm just wondering what happens. The band of teenagers that aggressively flee immoral lust. Pursue righteousness. I'm just wondering what happens if we begin to pursue righteousness. I knew a teenage kid. He was uh, sitting with a bunch of guys, Christian guys, Christian event, watching a movie. All of a sudden, a scene came on television. Nobody did anything. He couldn't figure out, he didn't have the remote, couldn't figure out you know, where the side of the buttons were and all that. No, none of the other guys were doing anything and he's up there trying to change it. Finally, out of rage, he just threw a blanket over the TV, started yelling at his friends. I like that kid. I know another kid, this kid. He was sitting with a bunch of, of, of uh, guys, Christian guys, older than him. He was the youngest by about Significantly, at least four years. So he's with all Christian guys. Supposed to be leaders, supposed to be examples. Same thing happened. Nobody does anything. They just sit there, allow their minds to be polluted. He goes, not me. I'm a man of God. Walked out of the room. Everybody kind of smirked. Until six months later. Where the guys came and said to him, thank you. Thank you. We're different. We want to be like that. And I know, you begin to pursue righteousness and you begin to make bold stances like that. The rebuttal always comes back. Yeah, well, I don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. And, you know, I think that Jesus hung out with sinners. Jesus never sinned, friends. 
Jesus never sinned. The devil will try any way possible to get you to sin, even if it's with church Christian kids. I'm just looking for some men and some women that flee, that run. That the attack of the enemy, Satan prowls around like a roaring lion. Wants to literally destroy you. Leap out, destroy you. Wait, wait. That's what lions do. Wait, wait. Prow, reach and attack. Gradually. Gradually, so many of you be tempted to give in. C.S. Lewis says, the road to hell is the gradual one. It's gradual. Tolerate this. Tolerate that. Tolerate watching this. Tolerate this in my relationship. Tolerate consuming a little bit more morality. Allow a little bit more morality. And before you know it, you're the calf being butchered. Before, the, before you know it. Psalm 101.3, this is what my prayer for you is. David says, I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. A perverse or perverted, a perverse heart shall depart from me. I will not know wickedness. talked to Dan and Ty and Stefan as we've sat with guys in men's accountability in the furnace and I've looked at them in the past and thought some of these kids have come here from churches all over the nation they've come from youth groups all over the country why didn't their youth pastors tell them why did their youth pastors tolerate treat it like it's cute it's not cute oh it's the way American culture is that's why we need reformers. That's why we need people that revolt. Not on my watch. We've sat around the Starbucks table and said, why, why, why have youth pastors tolerated this? So right now our heart is, we're gonna tell you. We're gonna, t- we're gonna talk straight. We're gonna look at you and say, you're not ready. You're not ready for a romantic, physical relationship, period. There is a war over your purity. The enemy, you could just look at the last 50 years. You can look at culture. The enemy is pervading like crazy. So much so, so much so, that even just to talk about it, people are on the defense. Christians, many of you in here are part of the redeemed. And even to talk about it, you're a little bit uneasy. Write off a talk because your heart has already gotten hard. Because you want it. Because you want to sin sexually. But see, the response of the redeemed is we say, I want to flee. I want to flee. See, men, Paul didn't look at Timothy and say, all right, Timothy, face it like a man. Face it. 
He said, run, flee. It will trip you up. It will mess you up. And in this culture, where you have, um, you have kids in schools watching movies as school curriculum that are filled with pornography. Well, I don't know if I'd call it pornography. Yes, nudity is pornography. Well, yes. We live in a culture, billboards, commercials, and you know what? The truth is, it's, I mean, I, I've watched in my lifetime, it's just steadily gotten worse. And I believe the answer is not necessarily that you and I are going to have the ability to change MTV. It's going to be what it is. You have a choice if it infiltrates your heart and if you live different. Your call is to be a light, to shine like stars in a wicked and depraved generation. That's your call. And many of you, many of you will choose to flee. It's possible. A couple summers ago, we were doing a desperation conference down in Birmingham, Alabama. And uh, 2007, 2008, some of us began to develop friendships with a group of guys down there with a thing called The Basement. There's a move of God going on in their midst and a very cool group of about 30 to 40 guys right at the center of it. They were the guys that led it. We began to hear the story of how this move of God, they had about 5,000 teenagers that would gather every Tuesday. He said, well, he said, the first thing that we did is we decided, number one, we were going to gather together, together every week and pray, just men. He said, all right. He said, number two, we chose, we're not going to date. We don't have the strength to date. That's what he said. If we date, we will give in to sexual temptation. So we choose not to because we're not ready. And a band of men began to pray together. And, a band, and that was the requirements. Number one, we pray together every Tuesday night. Number two, we don't date. Weeks later, a move of God. Months later, an evangelism move. Years later, it's a movement. Why? A band of young men chose Righteousness. And you know what happened? When a band of young men chose righteousness, you know what happened? The women followed suit. You got, a, you got 30 guys at the middle of a movement and they don't date. Girls, they're worshiping God. And they love them and they respect them for it. They respect them for it. And all of them are waiting for the day that all of a sudden they are ready. And then you know what? Some of the best marriages will come out of that environment. Because they prayed hard, they stayed righteous. And when they were 24 years old, got some college under their belt, when they were, tw- I'm not saying a certain age, however, it, it's relative, but when they're ready, no, no high school kid is ready, period, in this culture. You're just not. But when they were ready, they had grown up in the, most, in the environment for them to succeed. They'd grown up in a, they'd been in an environment that's what we're looking for in this house. I don't know all that God's going to do. I love man time because I love the idea 
of men being righteous. I love girl time because I love the idea of girls being righteous. I love burn because I love the idea of we're going to put prayer at the center and I'm just asking the question. What happens in our midst if instead of tolerating it, and I know we could tolerate it, we could be like, well, so-and-so dated in high school and you know what? They turned out okay. That's the dumbest logic I've ever heard. Our our logic, I I, I have 500 stories of how that did not turn out. So play the odds. Just dealing with people. As a pastor, I'm telling you. You want to pursue the highest as a man or woman of God? Choose. These years, I'm going to pray hard. I'm going to not be in any physical relationship. To the best of my ability, I'm not going to set any wickedness before my eyes. You do those things, I promise you, I promise you, mark my words, I promise you, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked, wicked, that that word wicked means twisted, their twisted ways, their wrong ways, their twisted ways. God created Adam and Eve in the garden for each other, a monogamous one man, one woman, in marriage relationship. As long as they turn from their twisted, wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, will I forgive their sin, and will I heal their land. You watch. You watch. If you have a hundred young men that, that walk this way and a hundred young women that walk, walk, that walk in this, I guarantee you, God will look down, hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and we'll see a miracle in our land. We'll see teenagers that come here. They see righteousness instead of a a daze of lust. Our young men are worshipers seeking God on the front row, going after God. Our young men are not prowlers in in the back row with the lattice open, looking out the window, looking for the latest girl. That's puke. Our young men, stallions, seeking God, men of prayer, men of righteousness. And young men, there's some of you that are in this room and that's you. And when you see a young man that comes in here and he's one of these, he's one of the ones that are out prowling trying to get the girls. Okay, I'm a triplet. I got two sisters, all right? I got in all kinds of fights in high school. I lost most of them. But you know what I got in fights over? I got in fights when guys came after my sisters. I hated it. There's something, there's something about that that just makes a guy mad. If any of you have little sisters, you'll see. You just, you hate it. I remember this guy, he, was, he, would, call my, he would call my sister, and I was so mad that I would go in, and when they were, whenever they would talk on the phone, I would pick up the receiver, and I would hang it up, hang it up. My sister was 16. She'd come and she'd be like, David, what are you doing? And I'd be like, I hate that guy. Ask my brother. True story? True story. Yep. Happened all the time. I hated it. One time we were on a ski trip. We were on a ski trip and the 17-year-old guy went after my 15-year-old sister. And I was, I was rocking at least 5'2 at that time. <laughs> and I was so mad. I went up to him and I started yelling at the senior in high school. And I began to say, man, you do not talk to my sister. You do not. And this kid, he clocks me. Lands, I land on a pool table. You know what happens? 
all these other dudes came to my rescue and they were like, we ran this guy off. I mean, this guy, this guy, I mean, this guy, he didn't last much longer. I'm not saying he died. (laughs) I'm just saying he no longer was around. If you get what I'm saying. He wasn't part of the youth group anymore. Because, because here's what goes on in the heart of a brother. This, this, this is a brotherhood and sisterhood. In this house, we're not flirty. Oh, say okay. I'm going to so and so. I'm going to so. no, that's not going to exist in this house. Just so you know. Like if you're here for that, and you're like, oh no, that's why I'm here. Well, our prayer is that either God transforms you, or that you go, you know what? I'm going to go do that somewhere else because this house, when girls begin to, to be preyed upon, P-R-E-Y, when guys go, you know what the brothers in this house do? They're ticked. You don't go after my sister that way. And I don't care what you have to do. I mean, you go and you take their heads off. You have, and you, here's what you say. Excuse me. Yes. Um, are you putting your hands on her? What's it to you? That's my sister. I don't care. Well, my youth pastor said that if any guy in our youth ministry is prowling on the women, that I have permission to take their head off. Okay? Let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. If we have a house or a tent, let's call it a tent. If we have a tent where the young men are righteous, where the young men pray, there will be, listen to me, fellas, thousands of young women here. They will respect you. They'll come out of the woodwork. They'll love it here. If we have a house where that's the norm, where there's men of God that aren't the slugs on the couch asking for permission to lust, but instead... They're the men on the front row worshiping and praying and protecting the sisters, protecting their sisters. You watch. This house, will, this tent will flourish. You watch. You watch. God will be in our midst. You watch. Healings will take place. The environment in here will be so healthy. No, 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 no. Here's the strategy, man. Here's the strategy. Go get like hot girls and hot guys and get them to come to youth group and thoughts. That's the dumbest stuff I've ever heard. No, in this house, if we have a front row like this right here, we have a front row. If we had 100 men like this, we'd change the schools in this city. If we had, if we had rows of women like this that love God, see, well, well, I, 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 you watch. Listen, I, it's, it's just... It's not like theoretical. It's just, it just happens. It, you can read it in the scriptures. You can see it in church history. I can see it in just the youth ministries I've watched across the nation. I saw it happen in Alabama. I know God can do it. But I'll tell you this. As long as we have a casual culture and half the guys are flirts, lazy, wear girl jeans. No way. No way. In this house, in this house, 
we're going to see young men and women. Young men and women. They pray hard. They pray. They seek God. They flee lust. They flee it. They don't flirt with it. Like the bug. No, they go the other way. They go the other way. Let me tell you, we're going to talk about this next week too. I'm not a ticked off old man. I know sometimes you think that. You're like, oh man, our new youth pastor is like a senile old man talking all the time. I think he's got to be in his 80s. He's obviously shrunk a bit. No, listen. I just know that God's blessing is on the righteous. I love to read through the Psalms and one of the things I see over and over and over again is God talking about blessing on the righteous. And that word blessing, that's a weird word to some of you. Some of you don't know that word blessing. Here's here's what that means. That means goodness, good things, God's hand, the supernatural, blessing. God, but you just read, God's hand is on the righteous. God blesses the righteous. And so in this house, See, we, we have a privilege that, um, that I think is so unique to us because you are living in a generation where you are targeted with sexual images constantly. Television, movies, media. And I believe that if God sees a remnant of young people that choose righteousness, pray hard. In the midst of the most... M- sexually media-saturated culture, and we stand as a pillar of righteousness in it, I promise you, he looks over the balcony of heaven, and he goes, I love those guys. I love them. And we'll see kids get saved. We'll see miracles happen. We'll see the absence of addictions. We'll see deliverances. I mean, literally, where kids are set free. What would happen if we're free? What would happen if we just didn't sing, I am free? What if we were free? What, 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 if, what if we were free? What if when you came in here, there wasn't the guy that was all googly-eyed and the girls that were all trying to show everything that they have with barely any clothes on? What if that didn't exist in this house? What, 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 would happen? what would happen if we really were free and if girls didn't feel like they had to dress that way in order to be accepted or to be noticed? What would happen? I'm just saying, what would happen if God began to do that in us and guys weren't that way and they weren't addicted to all of the pornography and all of the physical, gross dating relationships? I'm just asking, what would happen in our midst if, if we began to walk in that and begin? You know, Martin Luther, Martin Luther says, Christians, they, they don't tell lies, they sing them. I am free. I don't want to sing lies. I want it to be a declaration. We are free. We are free of immorality. We are free of the lusts of the age. We are free. We are free to live for God. We are free to pursue him with all of our hearts. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. And with this. If you choose this in your high school days, tack on, you know, however many college years until you meet the person that you're going to marry. If you live this in your high school years, you watch, you watch. You will have a lifetime, a lifetime of a good marriage. And you will not have to live with all the junk, all the sexual sin, all the pain, all the divorce, all the rage. 
that many of you know. If you'll choose this, if you'll choose righteousness, you set yourself up for a good thing. God has a spouse for you. If you're a man, it's a woman. If you're a woman, it's a man. God has someone for you. Don't be discouraged. You wait, you watch, choose righteousness. God will bless it. I'm passionate about two things. One, God blessing every one of your future marriages. And I'm passionate about righteousness in this house so that God blesses this tent. And we sing, we are free to live for you. We are free. We are free. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life.